Hello and welcome to the Punk Rock Academy podcast. I'm John. And I'm Dave. And how are you, Dave? I'm really good, thank you. Lovely to uh, speak to you again. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. So, Dave, I, uh, I was thinking, have you ever been dishonest or lied about going to a gig? I can't say I've been dishonest or lied about going to a gig. However, I once bailed out on a friend from going to a gig to go on a hot date with a beautiful woman. So I had tickets to go see the Shook Ones in London. And I was meant to go out with a friend, my bassist of my band at the time. And about half hour before the gig, I, I, I bailed on her to say, I can't go, I'm on a date with her. Uh, half an hour before yeah. the gig? I know, right? How late uh, did the date get booked? <laughs> you know what, it was, the date was pretty much a last minute date, but uh, she was gorgeous. and. <laughs> She ended up being my wife, so I'm I'm really happy, and we're still friends, being a bassist, and you know, but love prevails at the end, doesn't it? Did you tell the person you were going to the gig with the real reason why you bailed? Um, she might find out today, or when she hears this. Oh God, sorry. Okay, but, but she was at my wedding, so I'm sure she didn't mind. But either way, how about you? Have you lied to? You know, <laughs> well, to know it sounds like you're you're leading me to a, a question or a situation here, John. I, ha- I have. Um, yeah, I have, actually. I haven't ever told the person who I, or the people who I lied to about this, but they also might be listening. Um, when I was about 17, um, my parents wouldn't let me out one night. I'm not quite sure why. And I wanted to go into town to see the Voodoo Glow Skulls. So I told my parents that a friend of mine from school was leaving the country uh, um, we were kind of having a send off and thinking back now the weird thing about this is they just didn't even ask like a single follow-up question they didn't even sort of ask what where he was leaving to or why a 17 year old was leaving the country um, they just sort of accepted it and let me go out and so my friend Josh and I uh, headed into town to the LA2 or the Mean Fiddler uh, and we watched the Voodoo Glow Skulls and that was I'm proud to say the one and only time uh, that I've ever been dishonest um, about that. But however many years after that kind of illicit uh, gig going experience, today, Dave, we are actually speaking to George from the Voodoo Glow Skulls, which is quite exciting, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I'm really stoked to uh, be speaking to George. So for those who don't know, Voodoo Glow Skulls were founded by brothers Frank, Eddie and George in Riverside, California, more than 30 years ago. can't believe that. And they pretty much laid down the, the, the foundations of hardcore punk with their fusion and with nine albums under their belt and a tenth on the way. We're really delighted to have the bassist and founding member, George, join us here today. You guys doing, man? Yeah, we're doing good, mate. Thank you. I've, um, I've literally moved house like a week ago, so things are a bit crazy here. So I was building a bed for my six-year-old today. How are you guys doing over there? Um... I guess it's getting better, I guess you could say. Um, as far as shows and live music, it's, start, it's starting to seem like stuff is slowly going to start opening up again. Like we just booked a show today with, um, it's a festival that's going on in Arizona and Tempe. Um, I believe it's going to be, I want to say May 29th. Going to be Pennywise, Strung Out, uh, Good Riddance, H2O, Us, The Bomb Pops, and... Probably about four or five other bands. That sounds awesome. That I'm sounds 
right up our street. <laughs> it's been such a long time since we've you know, been away and I've been to a festival. It's it's a long time coming. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out here, um, you know, they're they're saying basically that if you're going to attend these things, they want proof of vaccination or proof of current uh, testing, basically. Yeah. And how have you guys been doing? Like, you know, obviously as as musicians, like coping with like not being able to play shows and such. Well, for us, it's been like, to be honest with you, it's been kind of crazy because at one point um, I was skating with a couple of buddies the other day and I literally haven't been home for this long since I was probably about 17, 18 years old, <laughs> I'm 47 right now. And we've just constantly touring since I was about that age. Um, so I've never really been home for a year straight since then. And this was the first time being home for this long and not touring and actually on top of that, not playing shows. Um, and how did you feel? You must've must got a lot of cleaning done, a lot of paperwork files. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is I noticed that uh, at the beginning of quarantine, you know, it kind of went in waves for people, you know, everyone got into the cleaning mode and then organizing everything, you know what I mean? Doing that. And then started doing extra stuff. I did a lot of cool stuff. Like, got to build a lot of cool stuff that projects that I had kind of in my head that I picked up stuff for and kind of got to finish, you know what I mean? Which was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, just got to do things like that and also uh, write music, you know, um, it's been a long time since I've been able to actually sit down um, and at home for that matter and just concentrate on writing, you know, um, a lot of the, a lot of times stuff, just pops in my head you know out of nowhere you know like at random times and I just kind of get my phone and I'll either hum it into my phone or if I happen to have my bass or guitar you know I'll pick it up and just kind of voice record it onto my phone yeah and then develop stuff like that you know but that's this whole thing just kind of allowed me to uh do that again and focus on that you know and a lot of these songs you've been writing are they for the new album that you're releasing soon Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the album's definitely kind of themed, you know, um, obviously um, a lot of the songs were written as, you know, that the, it pertains to a lot of the stuff that we've seen go on, you know, like in media and social media and in the world in general in the last year. And uh, the album touches on a lot of that stuff, you know, it's just kind of, uh, you can almost say like, like the lyrics almost wrote themselves, you know? Yeah. And how was the recording process? Obviously being in a lockdown sort of situation, how, how, how did that go about? Well, the recording process for us um, on this one was me and my brother, Eddie, um, you know, who we still kind of quarantined, you know, for a long time. And then once, once we kind of let our, our, you know, let our guard down a little bit, let's say. Um, me and him got in the studio together um, and kind of just played it safe and started tracking our ideas with uh, just with with drums that he makes up on the spot, you know? Yeah. Um, and we just kind of demo stuff like that. And then we send it to the other guys and um, they kind of, like the drummer will kind of get an idea, you know, the, the drums that we put down on the demo aren't exactly the drums that you know, are laid down on the record. It's just scratch drums, we call it. And my mm -hmm. brother literally just makes it up, you know, on his computer. And uh, 
we sent it to Steven, uh, our drummer, because he lives in a different city. And he would just sit there and make his own drum beats up and drum roll, you know, do, do his part to it. And then when it came time, we got him into the studio and he tracked the drums. And then we kind of laid the, the bass guitar on top of that, and then the guitar on top of that. And at the same time, both of our horn players, one of our horn players is, is on the East Coast, you know, we're on the West Coast. He's in Pittsburgh. Um, he's got his own home home studio. So he tracked a lot of his saxophone parts at his house and actually did some of them before any of this happened, you know, like before a year ago um, with some of the songs because we had already had some of the songs that had already been written, um, you know, for years. Like a few of the songs on here, I want to say even up to eight, eight to ten years old, you know, a couple of them. Because this, um, the this is the first album in nine years, is it? Um, I think our last album was in 2012, maybe. Break the Spell on Smalvis Records. Right. So this has been a long time coming. And I mean, the, the song that's come out is obviously pr pretty kind of transparent about what you guys are writing about. You've, you've had some of these songs brewing for about a decade and you say the lyrics kind of write themselves. Is this the most overtly kind of political? And I mean that in a kind of big P, small P kind of way. Um, is this the kind of most political the band have been? We're not really taking views on any of it. All we're doing is kind of telling the story of what has been fed to us, you know, kind of just Voodoo Glow Schools have always kind of just written about the environment and what we see that's going on in the news and what we see in the media. We don't really take sides. We just kind of we're just kind of telling telling the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Social commentators. Yes, that's pretty much it. Most of our is exactly that. So for us, we just kind of when I say it wrote itself, it kind of did, you know, it's, it's, if you, when you look at the song titles themselves and then look what the songs are about, you know, um, if the song title isn't obvious, you just look at what the songs kind of are about. And, you know, for the most part, the record is written about that. There's some older songs that were prior to all this that happened to be written that kind of coincide as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just, you know, like I said, uh, like the, first couple songs we're not really saying like the the first song yeah it's kind of you know about kind of like every time an election happens out here in the u.s you know what goes on and probably in most countries for that matter you know for that matter as well um just kind of commentating on that how there's always a divide you know because certain party wants this person certain party wants that person and they're always against each other and always trying to turn you know everybody against each other you know and and you know, to get them to switch sides and vote their person in, you know what I mean? So the first song is kind of about that. And uh, the second song is more, again, just more so another social comment, commentation about social media and just about everything kind of that's just been going on in the world, you know, for the last decade, you know, let's say. You just, you know, when you hear the album, you just kind of get get a sense of, you know, it's just another Voodoo Gold Skulls album, you know, just like, you know, shoot the moon, let's say on Feedman, you know, same thing. It's just sort of commentating, you know. It's been a long time coming. I can't really, I can't wait to hear it, to be honest with you. So this is your first, I believe it's your first album without your brother Frank involved. How did that feel? You know, you know continuing the, the whole recording process, live process without, you know, without Frank? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a change. You know, of course, you know, when you, when you have somebody that you know was there that you know he's the original singer you know when we started this band it was me eddie and jerry 
and we just kind of started it in my mom's bedroom. And Frank was uh, like a DJ at the time, you know, DJing backyard parties and stuff with like dance music. And uh, he kind of decided like, hey, I'll kind of mess around and sing with you guys and until you guys find a singer and kind of just manage you guys, you know, and he ended up just staying, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, he had a big part of writing a lot of the classic songs, you know, but for the most part, a lot of the songs, you know, that we're known for were written kind of by me and my brother, Eddie, and Frank was just kind of the voice to him, you know, um, he did write a lot of the lyrics, you know, don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but uh, that's kind of like the way the band started. And then, Frank came in and, and had the business sense and all that stuff, you know, and, and kind of, you know, started getting, you know, we started playing backyard parties and doing stuff like that. And then eventually the band just kind of grew in popularity and moved into clubs and things like that. But to get back to the subject of, of the recording process of it, a lot of the stuff has been written like in the past by my brother, Eddie, you know, like a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the stuff as well. Um, so there's not much of a change in the songwriting, let's say. It's just kind of a voice to it. Does that make sense? Um, and uh, the recording part of it, well, the only, like there wasn't much of a difference because we kind of did it the same. We usually do the whole steps that I took you guys through. So George, you kind of you talked through it there. You, 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 you sort of touched on when, when the band kicked off, your mom's bedroom, those backyard parties, the three of you and uh, and your mate kind of getting together. So the Punk Rock Academy podcast is, is talking to the bands that inspired us about the bands that inspired you throughout your life. And if we can take you back even further than when you started those um, those kind of backyard parties with the band, what what is it like being a, a, one of the Casillas brothers growing up? Uh, you grew up in California, is that right? Is that is that where you guys are from originally? Yeah, yeah. Originally Southern California, um, you know, L.A. to be exact. We moved from L.A. to Orange County and then ended up in uh, the Inland Empire in Riverside. Okay. And what are those like, what's the sort of very early memories of your music experience like? like what are the what are the songs that you've got playing at family parties? What is it when you're getting your kids and you guys are kind of, you know, singing along to and drumming along to? What's What's the sort of early stuff that sticks out? Well, when we were kids, my parents were always playing music on the radio, obviously, in, car, in, in the car. We'd always be going to a different family member's house for a party or for, you know what I mean, a birthday party or for just a get-together. Uh, my parents were very social, and we had a lot, lots of family in Southern California. And my parents, you know, like I said, always be in the music we'd get somewhere. And if it was like, let's say, like one of our cousin's birthday parties they'd be blaring music and we'd all be dancing and stuff and I, as a kid real young it was like you know all the all the stuff that like the disco stuff you know when we were really young you know what I mean when I was super young um <laughs> dancing with all my aunts and cousins you know at, at the parties you know, like early Jackson 5 and that kind of stuff you know what I mean that's and then oldies as well and then of course traditional Mexican music was always there because you know our family's Mexican so that was always present as well um so that kind of like early kind of just music you know but as far as like picking up instruments and stuff like that it was uh the the first British wave of heavy metal uh Judas Priest uh Iron Maiden um and what was it about like Judas Priest um that really resonated with you uh just the energy and just the show in general man and you know the the 
the guitar riffs, you know, the heaviness of it, the energy, just everything. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, like that's how I learned how to play the bass is uh, my brother Frank had bought a bass and lost interest in it and left it around the house. I picked it up and learned how to play uh, some of the Iron Maiden records. And that's literally, I think the first thing I did was learn how to play Flight of Icarus. Steve Harris. He's a local of ours, East London, East London boy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I got, I snuck backstage uh, when they played LA this last time um, and got all the way into their dressing room basically and got to snap a picture with them and talk to him for a second. <laughs> he, he got to take a picture with you, you mean? It was awesome, man. I acted like I knew what I was doing and just <laughs> walked like I belonged there and I ended up finding their be- their dressing room, you know? So listen, we, we're going to put you on the spot, George. And that with that with that question, it sounds like you've got a whole sort of crashing of influences coming at you from a very, very young age. I'm going to ask you to pick one band from that era, from that growing up, dancing with your aunts at a party. One band that's going to make the list. What is it? One band that's going to what? I'm sorry. One band that's going to make your final list for the from those early, early years. Iron Maiden. Yeah, I mean, like I said, me and my brother, Eddie, never missed a Priest tour, never missed a Maiden tour. Uh, I was 10 years old at Live After Death at Long Beach Arena. You know what I mean? And uh, You know what? It, it's brilliant you say that because I don't think I got into like alternative music till I was about 15, 14. So the fact that you got into like, Iron Maiden at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the other influence, man, just came a little bit later. You know, after we were, after, you know, we, we stayed with metal our whole life. We still are, you know, like we still like all the, yeah, even the young metal bands that come out, you know what I mean? Metal's always there for, for us. The other stuff came later, like all the two-tone era that came out, the specials, you know, like, like Madness, the specials, Selector, all those bands obviously were a big influence on us as well. We had all those records as well. Um, that's, fishbone you know that's kind of where all of our ska influence comes from is like that handful of bands i just mentioned um and then uh we got into punk as well you know when that started happening around southern california i was a little skate like a little skater and uh sitting on the curb in front of my parents house and there was a gang called the sick boys that uh was you know a gang from southern california like a punk gang you would call them and they one of them lived a few houses down from my parents and was walking by and saw me on the curb and I was listening to a Walkman. And he tapped me on the shoulder, said, hey, kid, you like punk rock? And I kind of had no idea what he was talking about. And he handed me this tape and uh, I put the tape in my Walkman. He goes, check this out. And, you know, walked away. He goes, you could have that and walked away. I put the tape in and the first song was I'm Not a Loser from The Descendants. And at the same time, we were going to Orange County to my cousin's house. And uh, we were going up to uh, Orange County a lot to visit my cousin, like I said. And little did I know that I started trying to tell him about these bands that I was hearing on this tape. And he said, come up to my room and check this out. And he had all the vinyl, all the albums of like Seven Seconds, uh, Uniform Choice, Minor Threat, you know, had all these bands. And he said, yeah, man, I play in a band called Just Because. And these are like all my friends' bands, you know? And I was like kind of blown away. Like, wow, my cousin's in this. Like, wow, that's crazy, you know? And at the same time, probably within that the, that few months, our other cousin named Alex, who lived kind of more out by where we were growing up at the time in, in Inland Empire, invited us to a show. And it was in Riverside. 
and it was uh, the Seven Seconds Walk Together, Rock Together tour. And that was our first punk show. From there, just kind of, that's kind of where we got all the influences for our band. And, uh, you know, Eddie had already been had already picked up a guitar by that point and was taking guitar lessons on like an acoustic guitar or something you know what i mean and uh as we grew a little bit older uh jerry who was a childhood friend of ours ended up picking up a drum set and uh him and eddie started jamming you know here and there with top 40 type stuff you know and uh once they stopped doing that me eddie and jerry decided well let's start doing this you know and just take all of our influences that we love and kind of mix them together you know what i mean i mean george when you you've obviously you go see maiden when you're about 10 years old and you're into all these different types of music and i'm guessing that feels just like another world maiden in particular and judas priest are, are rock stars and they're putting on a show and then you step into some like grimy club in 85 and get seven seconds and suddenly you're there and it's like people like you and it's your age and it's your cousin and it's people that are doing it and I guess at that point, that that kind of does that kind of click. This is this is something we can do. Is it like? And are you all are you all on board at this point? Are you all like we we got to do this? We got to start a band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even before that, even going back when we were like I said, going to all the heavy metal shows because there was a lot going on locally as well. Um, like bands like Rat and all and and that whole scene, Motley Crue. You know those those bands we're still playing the clubs and playing the theaters and we were, we were getting to see those bands in those venues as well. And that's kind of when we started realizing more like, okay, like these dudes aren't that old and they're doing it. And then there was local bands who were like directly in our neighborhood that were starting to get famous doing that. And that were on like the tonight show and doing the tonight show circuits and stuff. And these were guys that we were watching play in parking lots, you know, like literally like, a week ago you know what i mean and that's when we started picking up instruments and it's kind of going okay we could do this but then like when the whole punk thing came in that's kind of when we started going okay we can actually play shows so you've been obviously you've been playing for quite a while now and you've obviously played with a lot of great bands what would you say was the favorite band that you've had you know you've played with Oh, no, looking back, no, I've played with you guys back in 2003. It's a very memorable show because I remember going out, I remember going out with um, Jerry afterwards in London, going to a nightclub, and my drummer kept calling Terry for some reason. And that's it, it kind of a memorable, a memorable uh, evening for me. You know, you play you know, with one of your, your heroes, and I think it was my band, Strike 59. We played with Skin Dread and possibly King Prawn at the time if I yep. remember correctly. Um, so quite a, quite a while ago, and obviously again, it's a mem- it was a memorable show for me as a young, as a young kid um, playing you know, in a band. So for you, what was the most memorable band you've played with, would you say? The most memorable? Hmm, that's a good question. Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be for good reasons, George. <laughs> kind of a weird one. Uh, we got to play Rock Am Ring one year, and it was you know, that's a big festival. It's kind of crazy for us. Bands like David Bowie, you know, played that day. Um, you know, people like David Bowie, I should say, played that day. You know what I mean? And it was like this real big, you know, proper, you know, commercial festival, you know? And here we are, get thrown in the mix. This, you know, kind of, you know, Scott punk band from Southern California, you know? And I remember falling asleep in my bunk like at 
probably two in the morning. And I think it was Fog Hat was playing in the background. And it, I remember as a kid going, dang, I know every single one of these songs from either like a movie soundtrack or from the radio from being a kid. You know what I mean? That was kind of memorable, a memorable night. You know, like, like that was kind of, I never thought in a million years I would have played with a classic rock band like that, you know? That's amazing. You guys have ridden something of a wave. I mean, when you start, you, as you say, you've got this kind of pretty underground, but, but popular underground hardcore scene that's sort of thriving. And then suddenly you guys are thrust into this huge phenomenon in the mid nineties where the post Nirvana era just throws every guitar band, you know, in front of a you know TV camera. You've got Epitaph and Fat Records and bands that suddenly sound like you coming out and getting success and getting across into people's ears like me and Dave through, you know, Punkarama compilations and getting across to Europe. And you guys must be sitting there going, how have we ended up like on this, you know, on this absolute crest of a, of a sort of scene? Uh, and then I guess it sort of falls a bit away as particularly sort of the this, the style of music, I guess, you guys are playing. And perhaps it's coming back a little bit now. Like, what's that journey been like for you guys? Like, how, how wild has it been? Because it, was it wasn't intended to be started like that. Well, I mean, we started the band really with no expectations of getting as far as we did, first off. You know, we just kind of started just like, okay, let's just play. Let's, like I said, let's just play parties now. And then it just grew into clubs and just kept growing and growing. Next thing you know, you know, we're going all over the world and it's kind of crazy, you know, like like being in, in countries like Russia where guys are literally guys my age are crying because they're getting to see us play finally. And it, it's, you know, stuff like that. You're kind of going, wow, this is insane. You know, like like my music has taken me this far. You know, it, it's taken me. Every, you know, more places than I can ever imagine I would go every little town every little nook and cranny of almost every country where bands go you know and it's cool you know i can't complain man i love playing music i love doing what i do you know i love playing live shows you know the traveling part you know some of it sometimes the drive sucks sometimes the long airplane rides suck you know what i mean but i can't complain man i've, I've been wanting to do this since i was a kid that's that's fantastic you know what like there's so few people in this world who get to live their dream and really enjoy what they do so the fact that you've you know you had these aspirations as a child and you actually gone out you've seen the world you've met so many people great people across the world just by doing what you love it's such a great achievement yeah you know it's dude like i said it, you know it's i'm a real strong believer of life is what you make it man you know it's like it's it you know for me that's just the way i kind of try and live you know and, and it's worked out for me so far and I can't complain. Yeah, there's been a, a rather sordid history of, of siblings in bands together and it never really ends very well um, or it doesn't tend to, to end very well, but you guys have kind of bucked the trend. Um, you know, three of you for a long time and now obviously still two of you. Um, what's, what's the secret? I mean, we're brothers, man. So you kind of tolerate more than, than normal, I guess. I mean, me and we grew up with all the same interests, you know, and that's kind of, I think one reason. And we just kind of, 
I think me and my brothers have the attitude of just let people be people. After a while, you kind of figure people out and go, okay, that's just the way that dude is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, after a while, you got to kind of, especially being on the road, you know, that, and that's what I mean is getting on people's nerves. You know, it's real easy when you're traveling with each other, living with each other, you know, backstage hotel rooms, you know, and in cramped spaces with each other, you get on each other's nerves. You know what I mean? And I think being brothers, that actually helped more than anything because at the end of the day, we're blood. You know what I mean? Is there a fourth brother who wants to get in the band, but it's not allowed? No, no. It was me, Frank, and Eddie. Me, Frank, and Eddie. And then, you know, Frank decided to retire. I want to say, I think it's been almost four years now. We, you know, me and Eddie, we're going to stop, you know? And uh, Ephraim came out of nowhere, who was a friend of ours, and said, hey, dude, you guys want me to try and sing for you guys, man? I, I don't have much going on right now because at the time, Dan uh, from Death by Stare, the guitar player, who did a guest lead on uh, Living the Apocalypse song, by the way, um, the video that we just put out. Um, he joined Zebrahead and started touring a lot with them. So Ephraim was like, hey, I don't have much going on right now, so I'll come jam with you guys and ended up, you know, staying. And here we are four years later and probably about four tours later, you know. We've already covered, you know, a lot of the world with Ephraim and with, you know, with this lineup. And it's been probably about four years now with him. Yeah, I've got to say that he, he, he fits in really well. Like, this is obviously the first time I've heard him, you know, um, his vocals on, all, you know, on the record. And it, it just, it just, it feels, it feels natural. And obviously Frank's got a, he's got a very distinctive voice and he's, he's, he's obviously an intrinsic part of the Gross Cards. But Ephraim's done, uh-huh. he's done a great job of like, you know, just stepping into that, into that place and just continuing what you're, you know, what you're working for. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's, we couldn't have asked for a better replacement, man. You know, it's, if, you know, obviously nobody wants to be put in that situation, but our brother Frank decided that, you know, he, he was done and wanted to do other things. So Ephraim said he would step in and we were like, Oh, perfect, man. Like perfect match. We know it's not the same voice, but to be honest with you, after touring for the last four years with them, and playing the old songs, I can't, like me personally being on stage with them every, every time I'm playing them, I don't tell much of a difference anymore in the voice. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because um, the music is punk and ska punk and ska core. The vocals have always been uh, like hardcore vocals, haven't they? They're, I mean, they're much more traditionally hardcore. Oh yeah, we've always kind of very much, you know, looked at ourselves as a hardcore influence band as well. You know, a lot of the New York hardcore had a lot of influence on us. Me and my brother, Eddie, got to see a lot of those early hardcore and early straight edge hardcore shows, which brings me back to my cousin, Alex, who I mentioned earlier, um, who took me to my first punk show. He ended up being in the band Chain of Strength, you know, and being the front man of the band statue and a lot of the Revelation record bands, you know, and ended up touring with Gorilla Biscuits and, and, being part of that whole scene, you know, so me and my brother Eddie were right there with him and we got to see all those bands, you know, sick of it all. One of our, you know, me and my brother love sick of it all, I think. Yeah. So listen, George, before we've taken up a lot of your time and it's hugely appreciated. It's been really interesting, actually, and really fun. I hope it's been fun for you. We've got we always ask one final question um, and I think you may have already answered it. But if you want to give another answer, feel free to. We just want your favorite ever band dead or alive anyone you've played with or not 
just the number one if you had to pick one? Number one all-time favorite. I mean, again, I'll probably have to go with Maiden just because, man, it, it, that's kind of, kind of, you know, not that we sound exactly like them or even try to, you know what I mean, or even hold ourselves up to that caliber. It's just we've always kind of modeled our band in a sense like towards that kind of, you know what I mean? And for my bass playing as well, that's that would have to be one of my main influences. You know, that that's how I learned how to play bass basically is by learning Iron Maiden songs. So for me, I'd have to say them. George, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. It's been great, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And if you guys want to check out some of our merch in the UK, I think uh, it's available through Epic Merch. Um, if you just go online through Epic Merch, and I think that's the stuff that, that will be available for people in the UK. Well, John, wasn't that fun? Yeah, Really good fun, actually. Really uh, interesting guy um, and a good chat. So you can check out the uh, the new Voodoo Glow Skulls album, Live in the Apocalypse, which is coming out on Doctor Strange Records this summer. Uh, and the single of the same name, Live in the Apocalypse, is out now, which is on their YouTube channel. Um, and Dave, how can people find out more about the podcast? Well, if you like what you heard, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can go on our Twitter at PRA Podcast, or you can hit us up on our Instagram at Punk Rock Academy Podcast. Until next time, see you then. What's up? This is George Voodoo. Thanks for checking out the Punk Rock Academy Podcast.